The original Christmas story, like we saw in our sermon this past weekend, man, it had a lot of darkness to it, but wow, there's a lot of miracles too. There's another miracle. John the Baptist is about to be born. John the Baptist was the forerunner to the Messiah, the voice crying in the wilderness. He is the hype man, if you will, who would say, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is Luke chapter one, verse 57. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth and she had a son. Then her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her his great mercy and they rejoiced with her. When they came to circumcise the child on the eighth day, as prescribed in the Old Testament, they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother responded, no, he will be called John. Then they said to her, none of your relatives has that name. So they motioned to his father to find out what he wanted him to be called. He asked for a writing tablet because earlier in the Gospel of Luke, he had been stricken mute for questioning God when the angel came to him in the Holy of Holies. And he wrote, his name is John. And they were all amazed. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. Fear came on all those who lived around them and all these things were being talked about all throughout the hill country of Judea. All who heard about him took it to heart saying, what then will this child become? For indeed the Lord's hand was with him. All right, so we saw Mary encounter Gabriel, believe God for the impossible, come face to face, pregnant belly to pregnant belly with Elizabeth. The pre-born John the Baptist leaps in his mother's womb proclaiming the Messiah as is his purpose before he's even born. The first person to proclaim the Christ was an unborn baby. And then Elizabeth is filled with the exact same Holy Spirit who overshadowed Mary. And then Mary sings her heavy metal praise song, the Magnificat. Now Zechariah has been mute for a while now. He's got something to say. Mary let loose the heavy metal Magnificat and here is Zechariah's song of praise. He's had a lot of words pent up for a while, man. He's tired of writing on that tablet like Anthony Hopkins in Legends of the Fall. <laughs> he's ready to sing and he's got something to say and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit. See, and prophesied, blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people. Mm, I love that word and he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets in ancient times, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us. He has dealt mercifully with our fathers and remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham. He has given us the privilege since we have been rescued from the hand of our enemies to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness in his presence all our days. And you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, talking about his son, John the Baptist. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. The child grew up and became spiritually strong and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. That's John the Baptist. And that's John the Baptist's dad, Zachariah. We'll go back and get the pre-story on Zechariah 
in tomorrow's devotional. Man, I love this moment. It was predicated upon circumstances that were bewildering. Zechariah had emerged from the Holy of Holies unable to speak, and nobody knew until this time what was really going on. They just knew that the name was supposed to be John. And in family tradition, you know, you name him after his father, you name him after someone else in his family. There's nobody in their family named John. And so everybody's kind of bewildered, but Elizabeth knows, like, no, this is what God said to do. And Zachariah knows, like, no, this is what the angel told me. This is what God said. So uh, Star Wars style, we're going to go back to episode one tomorrow, and you're going to see what Zachariah and Elizabeth already knew that nobody else really understood. Man, you got to stick with what God's called you to do. Even if godly people come to you and they don't understand the scripture the way that you do and they, they, they criticize, they push back. Inevitably, if you seek enough counsel, it's always good to seek counsel, right? Those who, uh, w w for, for lack of counselors, uh, plans fail, but with many advisors, they will succeed. This is a proverb. But if you seek enough godly counsel, you're gonna get advice that is perfectly contradictory from every, every angle, especially if people are just speaking from their own experience, their own wisdom, not from the word of God. So invariably, I mean, that's what I tend to do sometimes. Like when I have a big decision to make, I'm, you know, we're planting the Redemption Church, we've got a lot of different angles to go, and I go to my mentors, and like they all say different things. When I was trying to present my dissertation to the doctoral committee at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, I had three guys, and all three of them had different interpretations. I was like, I can't. <laughs> if I agree with one of them, there are two-thirds of my jury that disagree with me. <laughs> so I had to choose a fourth way. I had to go a totally different way. There are times when it's okay to go against, especially the counsel of Christians that's not biblical. If you come from a charismatic background where people have a word from God, a word of knowledge. I've seen this abused. People are going to come to you and they're going to try to use that to manipulate you. God told me to tell you this. Guess what? Their word has no authority on your life. God's word does. You test the spirits if they confess, according to 1 John 4, that Christ came in the flesh, they're from God. If they deny that, they're not from God. If they line up with scripture, then they are from God. If they disavow scripture, it's satanic. Which, by the way, brings into question the necessity of the whole personal individualistic revelation thing to begin with. If all they do is remind you of what God's word said, why don't you just read God's word instead? It means that they're either satanic or redundant at best. So read God's word. God gives words of knowledge. I believe that. But in my experience, it mostly just allows me to remember stuff from this big giant book. So Mary and Zechariah and Elizabeth, they knew what God said. And there are times when you stand alone, even among Christians, but you are the lone voice that's speaking God's will. Would you consider there may be a context in which you, like Elizabeth, like Zechariah, you got to defy tradition because you know what God said. And then the praise that erupts is incredible. Tomorrow, we're going to look at the backstory on Zechariah. But for today, would you consider that, that sometimes you, among a council of Christians who are nonplussed as, a, as to how to move forward and don't have a scriptural basis for their understanding, sometimes you may be the lone voice who's speaking according to the will of God. Speak up.